it was like a brick hit me in the back of the head and I heard my wife's voice that she said many years. We've been married 28 years come this January. Uh, and she's always said, Wally, what the hell are you chasing? You know, when I was in Germany, come home from work, put on a suit, you know, put on a jacket and a tie and go out and knock on doors or hang out at the mall trying to attract people to come join me in Amway. You know, because that was my million dollar ticket. Then it was something else. Then it was something else. Then it was something else. $60,000 in credit card debt trying to do something and lots of time lost with my family trying to live a life that I was already living, already had it. So once I let that go and I started being more grateful and enjoying the things that I had in my life, it wasn't, it didn't happen overnight. I didn't immediately say I'm living a life of abundance, but so much more started coming into my life in relationships, connections, opportunities, and yes, even more money. That's Wally Carmichael, and I'm Brian Falchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned? I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Welcome to the Do A Day podcast. Today, my guest is Wally Carmichael. Those of you who follow me may know Wally's name from the Men of Abundance show. He's had me on a couple of times. Uh, Wally's a really cool, down-to-earth person. Some of that may come from living in Hawaii for a while, for sure. But um, he's had a really rich life experience. Uh, and I use the word rich on purpose. And, you know, there's this word abundance in his podcast and his business title. But it's kind of the opposite. So he grew up in poverty, really tough times. Um you know, that's kind of the start of the whole story. That's what we get into in the beginning is his experience growing up specifically with his dad and his dad's personality traits and quirks and issues and how that set up the earlier stages of Wally's life and maybe his relationship to his life. And it led him into this path of going into the military and really reshaping and reforming his whole path forward. And that's where the word abundance started to come in. Wally's a business coach, and so he helps businesses find ways to, you know, have more income. So there's that version of abundance, but that's not really what he's talking about when he talks about bringing abundance into your life. It's about family, faith, finances, and fitness, the four F's that he focuses on. And it's not really about money or having stuff. Um, he's even, you know, we, we talk about this where there's this moment where he spent um, a while living out of his Toyota pickup truck in Hawaii. Um, and he did it on purpose to force discomfort, to force a recentering, a reconnection to purpose and not to things. Little did I know, he actually interviewed me on his show from his pickup truck. I had no clue. Apparently, the acoustics are pretty good inside of a truck. Who knew, right? Anyway, Wally's an amazing guy. I love his message, you know, the the journey of his story and what comes out as we talk about that. Really inspiring, powerful stuff. Really inspiring, powerful stuff. Super cool, dude. Let's get into the episode. I think you're going to get a lot out of Wally. 
it's worth listening to his podcast as well. So, of course, check the show notes. You know, you'll get the link to it. It's a great show. The people he brings on are great. And Wally does a really good job of just, you know, pulling out the gems from them. It's pretty cool. All right, we're going to get into this episode with Wally Carmichael. Wally Carmichael, thank you so much for joining me, man. It's great to have you on finally. Brian, it is my pleasure, brother. I'm excited to be here. I think I may have asked you to be on the show before I even had started releasing, like when I was first recording a whole bunch before kicking off the show originally, and uh, we just didn't get to it. And here we are, like uh, 70-something episodes later. That's all it took. Everything happened. Everything happens for a reason, man. Yeah, for a reason at the right moment. No, I'm psyched. Mm-hmm. And um, and thank you again. You just had me back on your show, so I'm excited for that. It's just cool yeah. to reconnect with you, man. Absolutely, man. It's always a good time. Yeah. Um, give us a little bit of a taste of who the heck Wally is today. Like, what what's your day to day? What's the kind of stuff that you're working on these days? And then we'll of course dig into how you even got there. Yeah, for sure, man. So my day to day to right now, you know, school season. I uh, get up early with an alarm clock only because I have to get my little guy up and uh, ready for school and, and ride bikes to school, uh, ride him, basically get him to school. We ride our bikes together. He's in uh, fourth grade, but he still likes to ride the bike with me, and he gets upset. My tire was flat a couple of days this week, and he's like, Dad, did you get your tire fixed? And I was like, because, you know, he still loves that, and I yeah. love it because one day that's going to go away. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So. After I drop him off, I head down to the fitness center in our community here and get in a short workout by the lake and hang out in the pool, do some laps, uh, and then come back here and, you know, kind of just get ready for the day, have coffee, do some breakfast with my wife. And and then my daily activities is really just doing my show, my podcast, uh, talking with some clients. I spend some time on social media, just kind of stalking people's businesses (laughs) and uh, see where I can help out. And then I reach out to people. Other than that, I have amazing conversations with guys like you. So what's the, thank you for that, by the way. Um, What's the, what's the coaching work around? What's, what's the impact that you're having on people? Yeah. So right now my impact is specifically for business owners that generally I'm working with business owners who have been in business for three, some, one guy, even as long as 24 years, Mm. um, who quite frankly, they're just not where they thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these folks are amazing, you know, chiropractors and contractors of various flavors and some other coaches, quite frankly, who are great at what they do. They're just not really good at business and marketing strategies. Yeah. So that's my superpower is I can literally sit down with almost any business owner and based on what their profit margins are and find them $100,000 in about 45 minutes without them spending any more money on any more than what they're already spending on marketing and advertising. Wow. And really, that's a conservative number. Yeah, that's <laughs> – uh, we may have to talk offline after the episode, but that's a different point. Yeah, um, for sure. So, Wally, the thing that, that got us together was was through your podcast, Men of Abundance, and this mission you're on. And, and frankly, like just watching – the content you put out and finding it for myself as a man who hopefully has abundance and comes from that place, that mindset. Um, I always found you really empowering and, um, so, you know, it was, it was awesome to be on the show, but where did all this come from? Like, I want to dig into the backstory and you get a military history. What t- take us back? Like, how did you get shaped as an individual to end up in this place where that's, you know, from a content standpoint, that's what you're trying to put out. Right. So many, many years ago, um, while I was in college and 
I've always been kind of entrepreneurial, but that's part of the story. Um, because as just like any other kid and man growing up, we all, I was chase, I was ungratefully chasing a six and seven figure income. Mm. And I went to college after, you know, after high school, actually really just kind of said no to a full ride scholarship for track, wow. uh, ended up going to the same school that offered me the scholarship a year later paying for it. And then ran out of money for college. And my uncle came oh. to me and said, Hey, um, he was a first sergeant at the time, had you know some 20-some-odd years, and he said, join the military, you'll get some education along the way, and you'll get a chance to travel the world. And I said, not no, but hell no. Mm. Wasn't my thing. I just had no desire in it. So obviously, I ended up doing that after working two full-time restaurant jobs, trying to make money to get back into college, and I loved it from day one. Wow. I realized that I needed that leadership. Mm. I needed that level of discipline. I did not have that in my life. Uh, which is a whole other part of the story. And um, I yeah, hope we can ahead. talk about that because I'm curious. Yeah, for about, sure. Like, yeah. Like what? So what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is, is my dad um, was a type of guy that wouldn't hurt a fly and he was nice to a fault. Mm -hmm. And he really wanted to more be, I have a, a younger brother. He's a couple years younger than me. He really wanted to be our friend and didn't really want to be our dad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was the type of guy I remember vividly. He would say things like, hey, you know, if you guys are going to drink or smoke or do anything that you're going to do, do it here at the house. That way, you know, you're not out. And what I found out later really was he just, you know, wanted some of it for him, for him as well, mm. which is, you know, one thing. But then, you know, another thing he would say that just kind of shows the maturity of my dad was, you know, if you guys are going to be out, you know, screwing around and you, you hook up with some girls, bring some home for Paw Bear. Now, he was still married to my mom at the time. Oh. So needless to say, my mom divorced my dad after, you know, putting up with that for so long. Yeah. And uh, that that in itself was I didn't like the guy my mom. My mom got an out. My uh, there was a, they used to we used to spend a lot of time at a bar and there was one of the guys there. And, and my dad's name is John. And this other guy's name was John. And he told my mom just like this. He said, Gail, if you ever want a way out, you got it. And he left it at that, never said another thing ever again. Mm -hmm. Finally, one day, my mom just took him up on it no. and hated him for it. But it turned out to be the best decision my mom could ever make. Mm. So, you see, I didn't have that discipline growing up. I, it was yeah. just I just saw where my life was going. I saw my peers. I saw the people I was growing up with. Um, I saw where my dad was at and all of his friends. It, it just I knew there was more for me in life than that. Mm. So where were you growing up, Wally? Where, what part in of the country Phoenix, is? Arizona. Okay. I literally grew up in a trailer behind another man's house. We couldn't mm. even afford the trailer park. <laughs> mm. And um, then we, when my mom remarried uh, my stepdad, uh, we we upgraded to a trailer park, uh, which was you know <laughs> kind of yeah. cool, I guess. But um, but yeah, Phoenix, Arizona is where I was born and raised, and stayed there till I joined the military at twenty. Oh, so this longing for uh, structure, for leadership, for maybe seeking that father figure. Mm -hmm. Was that a conscious thing? Like, do no. you know, it's easy to say that now as an adult, but at the time, like what, did you know why it was clicking? You're just like, this just it, feels it, good. I'm going to keep doing it. Right. At the time I didn't, I really, I, I don't think I did. Mm -hmm. I do know looking back now, when I look back at male figures in my life, my first real father figure was my high school football coach freshman mm -hmm. year. Uh, the guy was just absolutely amazing. He knocked my head more than anybody ever could, but he did it out of love and care. Yeah. You know, and he was the first real, honestly, the first real man in my life. 
Yeah. Well, I take that back. Sixth grade, I, Mr. McGuire in sixth grade, he was the only teacher that actually got me to enjoy education, but he was a science teacher and more hands-on. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he kind of straightened me up one day by throwing a desk at me from across the room. So. <laughs> was it a physics experiment? <laughs> no, it was not. Yeah. It was a, I'm pissed wow. at this kid experiment, oh, wow. a, a reaction. I don't, I have no idea what I did, but it must've been bad because this guy was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, you know, military and the discipline that comes with it, do you think that it was more than just leadership, but it was also like, uh, I don't know, revolting a bit against that, that lack of discipline, that lack of, uh, you know, your dad just not hurting to fly and want to be your friend kind of, you know, as he said to a fault, like it, military is quite the opposite of that. Yeah, for sure. Well, and my dad had been in the military too, but my dad was drafted okay. during Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. His brother, who was the guy who mentioned to me years later, you know, years later to for me to join the military, um, the two of them didn't really get along when he came home on leave. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same relationship my myself and my brother have. Uh, because and now I see the differences. I didn't understand it growing up, but now I see the differences. It's just that I've moved on so much and I've gotten so much more discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, it didn't. I didn't really see it necessarily that way. But anyway, my dad, it, me joining the military was one of the proudest things that I had ever done for, in my dad's eyes. And I learned that from my brother. My dad never really shared that with me because mm-hmm. he died shortly after me um, he got into a car accident while I was in Honduras. Oh, wow. Uh, and I had been in the military for about maybe two years at oh. that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so c- could you come home? Uh, did you want to come home? Like what, what happened, uh, you know, when you got yeah, that so news? I was deployed to Honduras. Um, and one of my, my platoon leader and my platoon sergeant and the chaplain came up and uh, just broke the news to me. And before they even did that, they had already had a helicopter on standby, okay. uh, ready to pick me up and take me to Sotocano air base where I could fly out and, you know, take off and fly to Phoenix. And, a, a red cross, um, message went out and red cross and, um, army emergency relief paid for my flight to get oh. home. Yeah. And then afterwards I flew back to, uh, to Panama and then a couple weeks later went back to Honduras, <laughs> back to work. Yeah, it was some uh, some crazy times back then. What's going on in Central America? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I was in Honduras at the time for um, we were. I was a medic, but we were. Uh, I was working with engineers uh, building um, what do they call them? Um, main support routes, main supply routes, MSRs through Honduras for them to um, basically get their supplies across the country because mm. it was just pretty rugged terrain. So the yeah. engineers built a, a road through there. So how long were you in the military in total? A little over 25 years. Wow. So that's uh, that's going to be pretty shaping in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot of my senior time, my, you know, fifth, from like 10, maybe 15 years on was all strategy. You know, I was learning strategy the whole way, but then being in leadership, various leadership positions in hospitals um, in 23 different countries on five continents, Uh, doing all kinds of different missions uh, with language barriers and so many other things going on. Uh, I just became a very, very um, in-depth strategist. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, you know, people go, how did you go from being a medic to being a business marketing strategist? Well, I geek out on strategy. And I've always been interested in human behavior. 
I've always been interested in strategy, why people think the way they think, which is a lot of marketing is a lot of psychology and stuff yeah, like that. It really is. Right? And then business strategies and, and anything, it's like anything else, um, you know, being progressing in life, progressing in business, progressing in anything that you do is, you know, you can bounce it back and forth, however you want to look at it, but it's basically 80% mental and 20% mechanics. Mm-hmm. I've got the mechanics that, uh, and data behind the mechanics. Most of it is just the mindset of going in and talking to these guys and having them change their own mindset. Mm. So you get you get a taste of the strategy. I take it, it kind of clicks for you. It's natural. So you thrive at it, and that becomes what your career in the military is. Is that right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Are you still... I mean, you're still actively deployed in situations throughout that period, or are you kind of removed from some of that heat? What do you mean? Like, how how much were you still? Uh, I'm not a military guy, so I don't know if it's mm-hmm. the wrong term, but in theater, I don't know if that's the right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you still seeing <clears throat> combat and throughout this this whole 25 year period? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, um, my last about 10 years. See, I was in Iraq. The last time I was actually physically deployed uh, was 2009, 2010 was my last time in Iraq. And then I deployed back to Hawaii because I'd already been there once. And I pretty much stayed in Hawaii at the same hospital doing different jobs Mm -hmm. uh, at Triple Army Medical Center. I was the uh, senior um, advisor in the same day uh, family medicine clinic. And then I got promoted and moved into the operations for the entire hospital, which actually the entire region. Mm. Uh, and then even when I retired, I ended up taking some time off, but then going to take a job with the Navy as an equal employment specialist uh, for about eight months and then got hired back on in the same shop where I was at, where I re- was at when I retired um, and then ended up being <clears throat> one of the senior guys uh, in operations of the medical center. So when you're, I'm, I'm going back to Iraq for a minute, how, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about these combat situations. Um, and as a medic, I would imagine you're seeing things that, you know, you're, you're seeing the outcome of that, the pain, mm-hmm. the, 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 what's inflicted on people. Um, is there any of that that's shaping what you're doing today? Or like at, what I'm trying to piece together, Wally, is to end up where the kinds of things you do today, not on the marking side, but on the men of abundance side. Mm-hmm what are the components that shaped that, that desire in you? And I get the strategy piece of it for sure. Mm-hmm. I get the leadership piece of it. But what about, you know, some of the, the suffering that you've seen, the, the situations that you've had to bear witness to? Yeah. So from the men of abundance side, that came out of a different revelation, if you will. Hmm. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that in just a minute, but the way I relate, and I and I know you want to kind of go back to the men of abundance side, but the way I can relate what I do, what I choose to do, and I mean that purposefully, mm. that I choose to do what I do, because quite frankly, uh, I don't have to do what I'm doing. Yeah. My my retirement and my benefits allow me to literally just wake up in the morning and do what I want to do. Yeah. Um, financially. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. But I choose to do what I do because of my time in the military, seeing so many people uh, commit suicide. My own grandfather committed suicide. 
One of my uncle on my mom's side committed suicide. He was a Vietnam veteran, 101st Airborne Division, and they so and that was those two. I, I dealt with suicide a lot growing up. Yeah. Then I dealt with it a lot in the military, and then I come out and I start connecting with all these different businesses and business owners, and I see how stressed out they are, and then I find out I start doing some more research and I find out that. Suicide amongst business owners is pretty high as well, especially veterinarians. They're at the top of the list, which is yeah. is very interesting. There's a lot of reasons why that is. But then you take a lot of veterans that come out and veterans become business owners, not as many now as they were during World War II. During World War II, 50, about 50 percent of veterans are coming out and uh, being, you know, starting their own business. Yeah. Now it's closer to like 8 percent. But that's that's kind of um, that's kind of true across the board for all Americans, really, for okay. all people. Not as many people are starting businesses these days. It's just not the trend like it was back then. But the bottom line is this. Veterans have special skills. There's no doubt about it. Some of them have experiences that are very significant that and they are or are not diagnosed with PTSD. Then they take that and they go be business owners because they want to work for themselves. Mm -hmm. And then they realize, holy cow. This this is hard. Yeah. This is tough. I don't know where I'm going to make the next sell. I don't know where I'm going to make the next meal as opposed to just getting up and going to work for somebody else and having a steady income, which yeah. isn't always a guarantee either. Yeah. So my point is that I feel that I'm taking my skills as a medic and either helping people, saving people, uh, treating them medically or training other people how to do that and doing the same thing as a business owner and basically saving you know, doing my part and possibly uh, preventing a divorce, saving a life, preventing a suicide, and certainly relieving stress by showing these people where the money's at in their business. Yeah, I mean, that that's a really interesting connection, because if you look at business owners and where the stress or where the the drive behind them making that decision, you know, to end their life comes from, um, it's, I, I don't think I've ever heard a business coach make that connection, but I totally get it. Like now that you say it, it's like, well, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. If you can remove a feeling of that risk, that stress around it, um, and give them a feel for how to move forward, you take out some of that despair, that anxiety, that hopelessness. Right. Uh, I would not have thought that way. And now I don't, I don't see how I can't. That's, um, yeah. Wow, that's really brilliant. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to force you into like so then this led to men of abundance. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. trying to figure out the path. So so talk me through the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, so the path of men of abundance came because after I retired and I was still in Hawaii mm -hmm. and I'm sitting in the gazebo right in front of my house. We lived right on the beach. It was a Saturday morning. My youngest boy is out in the water. Um, playing in the waves and he's saying, dad, dad, come and play, you know, like he always did. And I'm sitting in the gazebo with my coffee, got my headset on listening to a podcast. I don't know, probably smart passive income with Pat Flynn or somebody yeah. like that, trying to figure out how to earn, you know, this next six figures and, um, live this amazing life that I'm dreaming of. Right. Mm. Here I am living, actually have a six figure income, not a high six figure income, but I'm in six figures living on the beach in Hawaii, Fam my kids are healthy, my wife's asleep in the house behind me, mm -hmm. what else What else did I freaking want? And all of a sudden, when my son's facial expression changed from excitement to disappointment, 
it was like a brick hit me in the back of the head and I heard my wife's voice that she said many years, we've been married 28 years come this January. Yeah. Uh, and she's always said, Wally, what the hell are you chasing? Mm. You know, when I was in Germany, freaking come home from work, put on a suit, put, you know, put on a jacket and a tie and go out and knock on doors or hang out at the mall trying to attract people to come join me in Amway. Yeah. You know, because that was my million dollar ticket. Then it was something else. Then it was something else. Then it was something else. $60,000 in credit card debt trying to do something and lots of time lost with my family. Yeah. Trying to live a life that I was already living. Mm. Already had it. So once I let that go and I started being more from that day, I started being more grateful and enjoying the things that I had in my life. Yeah. It wasn't, it didn't happen overnight. Yeah. I didn't immediately say I'm living a life of abundance, but so much more started coming into my life in relationships, connections, opportunities, and yes, even more money. What, why do you think you couldn't see it when you had it before? What was forcing you to, to kind of look the other way and seek rather than look in front of you and appreciate? That's a good question. And what I bring out of that is, it might change down the road. I mean, you know, sure. as we grow and learn and we see more, it's like seeing a, a movie, you know, we've just been watching the Harry Potter, you know, shows, movies, and we're seeing new things that we hadn't seen before, even though we've seen it a million times, but we haven't watched it in a while. The thing for me is that, um, all of the, all of the stuff I was reading, I was, you know, I was into MLM back in the day, many years ago, and they sell the, you know, this whole freedom thing and all the stuff you see now today, we're, we'll talk about Instagram, the guy with the Ferrari and the guy with the big house, yeah. you know, and all the stuff. And most of it's rented. We don't know, you know, yeah. and, and we equate that with free, we equate that with, with being successful, mm -hmm. right? And it's not. I, when I talk to somebody that's in there like, Wally, I want to earn, you know, I see somebody post on Facebook or whatever. I want to earn a million dollars. I'll engage them. Why? Well, because then I can, you know, do whatever I want to do and this, that, and the other. Okay, why? Why is that important to you? And it bre all breaks down to the fact that they want to spend more time with their family. They want to enjoy their life. And when it all comes down to it, you can do that with seventy, eighty thousand $80,000 a year. Yeah. As long as you have your, as long as you're not paying for a vehicle that's way out of your price range, yeah. living in a house that's way out of your price range, just to impress who, yeah. people that don't even like you or aren't even paying attention to you, yeah, yeah. So that was that's kind of where I where I go with that at this point in my life. Yeah, I feel, I do feel like yeah, uh, I don't know if it's age because then I sound like I'm getting old, but uh, someone asked, hey, I'm a car guy, and so people are always like, you know, what kind of car would you get if if money didn't matter, whatever. And I was like, well, you know, as much as I think about that at the same time, there's a feature my current car has that no other car has, and that's no payment. Hello. And that, like, <laughs> and I know, you know, if I rewind to like 23, would I have felt the same way or be like, yeah, but you could have this and it's only that much. It's like, yeah, I'm good. There's a lot of things mm -hmm. I'd rather have, but I like, I like the that's zero. That's the key month. right there. That's yeah. the key. There's, you know, you, people say, well, you can have anything you want. You know, not not anything. Everything you want. No, you cannot yeah. have everything you want. Yeah, that, I, I will that list argue doesn't that stop the growing. Exactly. Yeah. That's the point. And the other point is that, you know, it, yeah, I could have a Tesla sitting in my garage right now, but then I wouldn't be able to have, you know, possibly annual passes to Disney and Universal. Yeah. Things that I enjoy doing with my kids. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to travel. You know, take uh, three 
almost 30 full days off this last summer and drive across the country to from Florida to Arizona and back yeah. and enjoy that. You know, you got to there's there's give and take. Yeah. You know, so that's not a Tesla's cool. My favorite car, by the way, is a 69 Camaro. But that's, that's a very, whole other thing. But. Very un-Tesla. <laughs> Very untested, yeah, completely, yeah. totally, yeah. Well, of course, I'll have it fuel injected. You know, have it souped up and not have it look original outside, but still be efficient inside. Okay. But anyhow, that's a whole other conversation. It's an awesome <laughs> body on that car. Oh, I love um, it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Uh, this this is totally an aside, but I was doing a demo of uh, the technology in my day job, and you can send photos through it. And so this guy sends a photo of his. He's got. I'm going to get the year wrong, but it's really early Corvette, like, mm -hmm. you know, first, first generation. And I was worthless the rest of the demo. Cause I just, was like, yeah, I, he, he had it, it was red. The paint was perfect. He had mm -hmm. it really well taken care of. And so it was like, I just couldn't, and the picture was on screen the rest of the time I couldn't move forward, Oh man! but it's not free. And I, that's, no. that's where I just brought myself back to. Um, yeah, you like, well, this, so this is where the word abundance might strike people, is it's a word that implies, it's like a, a friend of mine, Emmett Muckle's got a show, The Billionaire Lifestyle, mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with having a billion dollars. It's not about that. It's about appreciating the wealth in the world that we have. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of a similar kind of idea, but you hear abundance, you hear that, and you're like, oh, it's about having stuff. And that's not, that's not what you're talking about. It's about appreciating the abundance that's right in front of you, not seeking more and more. Right. Right. And if you are seeking more and I'm all about seeking more while being grateful for what you have today. So be grateful for what you have today on your way to having more. And by having more, I mean more relationships, mm -hmm. more connections, more resources. And then it's it, being abundant. You can be rich and have all that stuff and just keep putting stuff in your garage and keep putting stuff, you know, coins in the bank and all this stuff. But to take it to abundance means that you are sharing, you're paying it forward mm. and you're giving it to others. Look at um, uh, Elon Musk just today, I saw an article, gave a bunch of water purification systems to uh, uh, an area where, you know, they have terrible water. Mm. So he's bringing, you, know, you bring, I, I've been a part of that. I was in Bolivia for almost four months drilling water wells with engineers, mm -hmm. bringing water to communities that hadn't had uh, fresh water like they're in their community yeah. for over five years. Yeah. Now they don't have to walk 20 miles and, and stuff like that and to, to bring water in. That's just a huge thing. So to be able to pay it forward with the resources that you have, time, treasures, and talents, it doesn't have to equate to money. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy making money. Mm -hmm. But I also enjoy the reason why I make money is not for just for myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that it's, it's that recognition. It's the second part of it. It's mm -hmm. not shaming the first, but putting the value in the second. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And when I go out and when I'm working with a business owner and some people will kind of look at me sideways when I talk about how much I charge when I work for a business owner, but I assure you, it is a fraction, a s small fraction of what that business owner gains in return from paying for that. And quite frankly, I've worked with people for free and they don't do anything with free information. Uh, they don't yeah. implement yeah, uh, it's true. just I've been done it for so long, and I still do it, but I'll learn my lesson someday. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, I'm curious about your childhood situation financially, and how much that led you into that that seeking that you know always trying to get 
get to the to the million dollar mark or the you know whatever idea of the day you were seeking after or going after to try to drive that income you think it's that sort of not having as a kid or the scarcity around that that drove you to seek you know i i don't know that that necessarily is is what it was specifically but i do know what that lifestyle did it hindered me in the ability to get to a certain level and beyond and and keep that because i had a mindset growing up that i would wake up early in the morning four o'clock in the morning and climb in the back of my dad's truck where he always had carpet because he was a carpet installer me and my brother would roll up in the carpet on cold mornings and we would be going down to the food stamp uh to get pick up food stamps and um and welfare and my dad took whatever handout that he could take and it took me a long time to get to the point to where I would decline a handout. Mm-hmm. I would always take a handout. And people always was able to – willing to help me out. But – and I'm not saying don't do that. The, you know, for all the listeners, I'm used to saying guys because I'm always on my show and just you know, address it to guys even though 50 percent are women. Um, but listen, I'm not saying don't take a handout when you need it. Yeah. But – I got to the point to where I realized that I was just taking a handout and it wasn't doing me any good because I wasn't pushing through my discomfort. It was comfortable for me to take a handout. Some people have a hard time taking a handout. Mm. Um, and it, it really was, it, it, I don't remember exactly when I realized this, but once I realized that I need to stop so willingly taking handouts and actually work for what I was receiving and that's the lesson that I take from that my environment growing up. Hmm. That's really interesting. Uh, just that progression, and the, you know, I've I've talked to other people who've been in a, a similar situation. Where people have dealt with homelessness, and uh, it's really interesting how people interpret that situation or live through that, and then react from it different, really differently. You know, for some, it defines their sense of self. For others, it's like, well, I'm never going to do that again, or I'm never going to allow myself to be there again. Um, and for others, it's just, uh, you know, they, they have um, sympathy and compassion for what mm-hmm. they experience, and, and they're just in a different place with it. Um, I, I think it's really interesting either way, but, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. Well, I'll tell you, Brian, when, when I was in uh, Hawaii, I put myself into a homeless situation where I was homeless for a month and a half uh, for 43 days. I lived out of my truck and um, I gave up the keys to the room that I was renting and I wanted to put myself into that situation because I wanted to get out of my comfort zone. Mm. And while I was in that situation, you'd think that I could, you know, for instance, I could park my truck in certain locations on the island and I could park there overnight. But I couldn't park there and sleep in it. So the cops would always come and pound on the door and either give you a ticket or make you leave or both. Uh, and so I didn't – I literally didn't sleep for that entire time unless I was able to sleep during the day mm-hmm. um, because it's you – know, anyway, it was tough. But I had an opportunity to talk to other people that were in that situation. And some of them, quite frankly, Hawaii's a little bit different because there's families that are homeless that are living on the streets or on the beach or in alleys. Um, really kind, I wouldn't say by choice, but just by choice only because they would rather keep that two to $3,000 a month for their own family, for their, you know, for their vehicle and stuff like that. They had jobs. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't afford housing Mm. because the median housing in Hawaii is 
$600,000. Yeah. And that's in a, you know, okay part of town. Yeah. Yeah. That's for, you know, um, for, uh, to buy, to rent is two to $3,000 Yeah. in an okay part of town. Yeah. You know, so that's why you have four generations living in one house and everybody in there working, uh, some of them two, most of them two jobs. So it was an interesting um, experience to do that, but I did that again just to put myself into a uh, get myself out of my comfort zone so that I could come join my family back here in Florida. That's a wild thing to choose to do. I'm I'm really curious about like your mindset that led you to decide. Like, how do you come to a decision like that? What tells you, you know, what I need to do right now? Mm -hmm. How do you do that? So. What I, where that came from was because I was eight months prior to that, six, about six months prior to that, um, we were living in that house I was talking about, living on the beach, paying $3,200 a month for a 1,200 square foot beach home. Mm -hmm. And we had sold our house already. We bought a house and financed it for $721,000 and two years later sold it for, I don't know, about seven fifty. And because um, we were planning on leaving the island, I just ended up getting a job there, <laughs> getting called for one of the jobs I applied for. I didn't expect to get mm. anyhow. So we we went ahead and sold the home, moved into the beach home, uh, $3,200 a month. And then they wanted to raise the rent another $400. Wow. And I told my wife, I was like, look, you know, we can bite the bullet and do it. Or move somewhere else, but I just suggest. I just think we talked about it, and we just decided it was time for us to move back to the mainland, mm. where my retirement and benefits would go a lot further. Yeah. Uh, so we chose Florida, but what we did was my wife decided you stay here, keep staying the job, because at that point I was in a really good job at GS11, uh, making darn good money. Yeah. And I enjoyed the job. She said, "You stay here." We'll go back, get into a rental, and then we ended up buying a house while I was still over there. I would travel back and forth every about month and a half, two months. It's a big trip. Yeah, it is. It's oh, it's a you know it's a long flight, man. Yeah. And so I, I was doing that every you know about month and a half every two months, and I was supposed to do twelve months. And basically, the the thought process was to see how we can survive just on my benefits and what other income that I had coming in already from stuff that I'd done, all my affiliate stuff I'd done in the past. Yeah. And without the job that was there, just bank that money, right? From the job out there. And it got to the point to where I was like, you know what? I was comfortable, but there was a situation I, I was renting a room in the house and there was nobody else in the house for the most part, but some the the nephew of the owner of the house would just show up randomly. Mm-hmm. And with his kids and they were nice people, but they'd show up randomly. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, look, can you at least give me a heads up when you're coming by? I'd appreciate that because sometimes I'm, walk, you know, I'm, I'm there by myself. I'm walking yeah. on my underwear or something like that. They got young, impression, impressionable kids and yeah. stuff. And it just got to, it really, one day it just got the best of me. I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. Yeah. And besides that, I'm getting too comfortable in this situation. It's time for me to get home. I was in the process of building my coaching business that I'm doing now. Actually, I was in the process of trying to replace the current, that, that income is what I really wanted to do. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out how to do it. So I figured, well, if I get uncomfortable, I'll figure it out. Because every time I was able to <laughs> figure something out big, I was uncomfortable. And when I made the decision to do that, I handed the keys over on May 1st. And during that time frame, nobody I worked with knew that I was in that situation that I was living out of my truck. 
Oh. I'd do my laundry at the laundromat. I'd shower at the gym, do all that kind of stuff. And um, <laughs> so check this out. I told my boss, I said, I'm done. About halfway through of that homeless situation, I said, I'm done. I got to go. Whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to take off and go back. I got to go back home, you know, go be with my family. He offered me an opportunity to telework, Brian. Telework. From Florida? From, from Florida on Hawaii time, making the same, basically the same amount of pay. Yeah. And working from right here from the comfort of my home where I'm sitting at right now in my home office. Was it eight hours? Was, What's the? It was eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. And just sit here on the, on the government computer and just do the same, basically some of the same stuff. And I was a supervisor there. So I wasn't, I was kind of still supervising, um, but doing the other stuff. That went on for about six months. Mm. And then that went away. So then I was out, you know, for grand. But by that time, I had already started building my coaching mm -hmm. business to replace that income because mm -hmm. I had already started doing that in that homeless situation. I was going to hotel lobbies, nice hotel lobbies in, in Hawaii yeah. and sitting in their lobby using their internet, building my coaching business yep. from right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it goes deep, man. But yeah, thanks for letting me share that. I hadn't shared that too often. Well, so, and I'm, I'm, as I'm listening to you tell the story, I'm actually thinking about when we connected the first time I was on your show. And I think it was like right in the midst of that, because you were talking about moving back to the mainland, moving to Florida. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this was like, your still your family was in Hawaii and, and this is about them moving and you were about to do the homeless thing or when, when did we all this just, go down? When did, let me check and see. I think I told you the other I think day. It was like was January, that... 2018 is when it came yeah, out. So we would have so... been in the fall of 17. That happened. That happened in goodness. If I'm going to get it right, time flies too fast, man. I think it happened in May of 2018. If I'm okay, not okay, so it was it was building yeah. towards it because you're talking yeah. about it's coming up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we recorded in Hawaiian time. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, I'll have to look at that timeline <laughs> just to no be idea. sure. Yeah. But yeah. Well, and and even then, much of my early podcast was all recorded out of the cab of my the truck I was living in. No way. Even before that. Yeah. What? I recorded the, like the first year and a half, almost, yeah, about the first year and a half, almost two years of my uh, show out of the cab of my Toyota Tacoma. That's why, because yeah, I was just, just going to say, the well, acoustics it... were better than in my house because wow. in my house, it was a lot of kids running around and a lot sure. of noise yeah, and yeah. it wasn't, I didn't have in Hawaii, the slat windows and stuff. It wasn't as quiet outside. So I just had more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was actually saying like, well, I know it wasn't in the period where you were in your truck, but <laughs> yeah. wow. All right. That's really funny. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. I, I had no idea at the time. Right. Um, so she this did. is the, the, there's one thing I wanted to go back to and then, um, and then I want to get you on your way because I, I don't want to take all your day, but um, it's this discomfort point. And that's an awareness, a self-awareness. I think most people lack It's like, I do my best. I create, you know, I solve my biggest problems when I'm uncomfortable and I'm getting too comfortable. Mm -hmm. how, where does that come from? And how do you know when you're too comfortable? Like what's the, what's the risk in that excessive comfort, if you want to call it that? Wow. Yeah. There's, you know, it, it is a self-awareness thing. Yeah. I'll tell you, I got the first idea. I remember listening to a podcast and this guy who was like several thousand dollars in debt, credit card debt, lit, living by himself in an apartment down, I think probably New York, someplace where it was really expensive, had a good corporate job and he had to save money. So his decision was he was going to live out of parks mm -hmm. and save the money and he got out of debt. 
So, but I wasn't, it wasn't a financial thing for me as much as it was just replacing. I wanted to, I could have lived here just on the, all the, you know, the income I had. Yeah. But I really wanted to replace that four, four and a half thousand dollars a month, you know, because it was our fun money you yeah. know, type of thing. We we're just kind of yeah. getting used to that too. Uh, there's another thing, getting used to the, you know, <laughs> things you do and then being able to support that. Yeah. But, um, and then as I was here, I was doing the teleworking and I'm like, oh my God, this is just amazing, man. I'm here teleworking and my kids come in. I can have conversations with them. I'm right here at home. I literally commute from my bedroom to my office, you know, a couple seconds and uh, started getting comfortable again. And then mm. one other uh, book came into my life uh, that I'd heard about before with uh, uh, David Goggins because mm-hmm. I'd heard about David Goggins with Jesse, um, Itzler. Itzler. Yeah. Yeah. Who wrote the book living with a seal. Yeah. And I read that book and then David comes out with a book. Uh, what's, what is it called? Just a few months ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. well he's got, yeah, he's got another book out actually, but anyway, um, can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. And man, it was during the winter time here in Florida. When I was listening to that book, I was listening on audio. I found myself listening outside in the cold in just shorts and maybe a t-shirt yeah. just because I wanted to be uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it gets to that point. So, um, we just get too comfortable Yeah. and I do, and I always speak for myself. And when I realized that, um, you know, things that uh, I just want to take it, take my life to the next level, I just have to put myself into uncomfortable situations like, when I was in Amway, man, I could do cold calling all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And now with what I'm doing now, I don't really, I don't advertise. I don't pay for advertising. Mm-hmm. What I do is I stock businesses online here in the community. I'll see their marketing and I'll say, I know they're not getting, they're paying for that. They're paying dearly for that marketing. And I know they're not getting the return on investment just because of what that says and where they're sending their their leads if they are getting any. So I call them. Yeah. And it used to be scary to me. But now I put it in a different mindset. Now I think about, I put it in my mindset, whether it's true or not, that person is stressed out and is on the verge of divorce and possibly on the verge of suicide. And his kids are going to miss him when he or she goes Mm. that way. And it's my responsibility to reach out to them. That may or may not be true, Mm. but that's the mindset that I take. I put into my head. I'm going to call this guy and I'm going to do everything I can to help him. I want to say guy, I mean, business yeah, owner. Yeah, this person, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like you're you're recognizing the discomfort that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I empathize with that. Yeah, I take yeah. it on myself because yeah. I've been there. It's, uh, you know, I've been in the situation where, and I put myself in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> just like they are where, you know, it's, it's stressful. Let's just say that it's just stressful on the family. Yeah. It's stressful on my wife, especially when you live with somebody who's not an entrepreneurial mindset, yeah. who's a employee mindset. Yes. A wage earner. It's so you funny. Know, my wife and I were just talking just... about this exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, there are two different things. There's not, there isn't right or wrong. The world needs Correct. both. 100%. Yeah. Um, the key is actually just recognizing which one you are. Cause if you try to force yourself into one or the other, um, you know, then you, uh, what she said, someone said to her last night, a, a woman who'd started a business, um, as an employee, it's about frustration. You have frustration. And as a, uh, an entrepreneur, you have anxiety. Mm. And it's like, Ain't that the truth? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a negative way of framing it, but those are, I mean, those are kind of the things you're going to battle with. You know, you have and frustration so with someone else or you have the fear that am yeah. I going to be able to produce and support? 
Yeah, very good point. I'm I'm super blessed, Brian, because when that telework position went away, my wife already saw what I was doing and she knew my mindset. She already mm. knew everything that I had done in the past, of course, for better, for usually for worse, <laughs> to be honest with you. Let's just say it was a very good education. Yeah. Uh, I paid for that. Um, she asked me, do you want to go back to work? And she was sincere about it and she was ready to accept whatever I told her. And I said, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing and I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to be okay anyway. Yeah. Um, but I have no, dis- and she was okay with it too, because we already had the income coming yeah, in. It yeah. would have been a whole different conversation. Right, right. It would have been start applying for jobs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Cause we got this roof yeah. over our head and we kind of yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it sounds like you got the right person with you then. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, Wally, this is awesome. This, uh, this comfort discomfort thing. Um, I think I, I've, I've got a feel for what I'm going to title this episode, but you got me thinking pretty hard now. Um, which means I'm going to be worthless as a host within a few seconds because it's starting to consume my mind. Um, so I should, I should take this You're signal. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> we all need that. And then, you know, you bring up Goggins and I, I think he's probably never been comfortable a second in his life. At all. Yeah. And that's at all. He I mean, don't, he's not, he's not comfortable being in the limelight. No. Which, you know, he's doing what he's doing out of the kindness of his heart, but he, yeah. it just tears him up. Yeah, yeah. He can't stand it. Well, and that's where he talks about, um, I've heard him on Rich Roll a couple of times. That's where he talks about the difference between David Goggins and Goggins, where mm-hmm. Goggins is like the persona that is out there and doing things. And that's who's yeah. on social media, but it's not actually him. And that's very mm-hmm. difficult for him. Um, anyway, that's a whole, I'll link to his yeah. books cause they're, they're awesome. Including all sure. with Jesse. Um, I suggest, yeah. And I definitely suggest, um, can't hurt me. I suggest you listen to the audio. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's what people say. Cause it's him, oh, right? Dude. Oh, well, it's him and it's, and it's his, uh, it's him and it's, he's got a narrator yeah. who actually ghost, not ghost written, but helped him write the book. Yeah. Yeah. And then they narrate and then they'll pause between, even scenes and chapters and stuff. And then they'll dialogue. Talk, yeah. What the hell was going on in your mind at yeah. that point in time, dude? Yeah. And they'll talk about it. It's really cool. You get so much more from the audio. It's like the, uh, the old days when DVDs were first coming out and there was like the directors like talking over the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember doing that with the usual suspects and realizing like there's twice as much going on as I ever thought there was, yeah. but all right, that's a whole other show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wally, where can people get a hold of you? Brother, I'm gonna. I got a link specifically for your listeners at menofabundance.com/slash/do-a-day. Uh, just go there. I'm gonna have a personalized. I have a personalized video over there for you. Awesome. Um, some giveaways and some a way for you to help me out a little bit. Uh, we can help each other out. Quite frankly. Cool. I'll just leave it at that. No, I appreciate that. And um, if what I was saying about the show in the intro didn't resonate, let me say it again. This is. I don't. While I have a lot of podcast hosts on my show and I'm connected to a lot, I actually don't regularly listen to a huge number of podcasts just because of the time. Um, yours is one of those that's always been in my library, and uh, and I've taken a lot from the episode, so I appreciate that. So um, if anyone is looking for an inspiring show, this is one that is is definitely worth picking up. So it's, I will also link to your show so people can subscribe to that because it's worth it. I greatly uh, appreciate that, man. Yeah, I don't. I don't usually admit that I don't listen to a ton. <laughs> it's a ton hard. Of shows. We just, especially the, for those yeah. of us who, you know, I'd love to read every book that people send to me and listen to every yeah. show and watch every video. I just, 
if I did, that's all I would do, man. Yeah. I, I, I don't even have time to do all that, even if it was a full-time job. Yeah. I'm, I, I figured out my trick is I listen at one and a half X the speed. Um, mm-hmm. And I get two hours alone every morning, 5 to 7 a.m., and that's where I, I burn through a bunch of shows. Um, some people listen in 2X. I, I'm, my brain's not fast enough for that, or I at least not that. at that point in the morning. But it's also, I listen to inspiring stuff, so it's like, yeah. are you really taking it in if you're just trying to get through it, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, Wally, thank you for coming on, man. It means, uh, it means the world to me. I'm just glad we got to do this. And um, now I'm curious what kind of situation you're, are you in a truck right now? Or are you? <laughs> no, I'm in my home office right, actually right. looking out at a beautiful day, uh, here in uh, Tampa, Florida area. Yeah. That's the part I didn't want to hear. Cause it's windy and raining <laughs> and cold up here in Boston. Um, awesome, man. Thank you for coming on. I, I, I really appreciate it. Oh, my, my pleasure, brother. Are you ready to help me close things out? I am. All right. Today is a new day. Pay it forward. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Thanks a lot, Wally. My pleasure. Great stuff. I love Wally. He's awesome. Such a cool guy. Such a genuine person. And I really appreciate, you know, when I hear abundance or thinking about my friend Emmett Muckle's show, it's a billionaire lifestyle. These words that a lot of us have taken to strictly mean finances or money, that's not what it's about at all. And they're really clear about that, both Wally and Emmett. Uh, it's about the richness of your overall life. And that richness is, it's subjective and it's situational. And it's our choice how we're reading and stacking that up and whether it feels like enough. You know, you can choose to look at more, more, more and things and feel like, well, then I never have enough. Or you can look at what you have and recognize this is a complete life. That's a choice really beautiful message coming to that decision accepting it appreciating it that's when you feel abundant i think wally does such a good job of talking through that so i'm so thankful that he came on the show i hope you got a lot out of it definitely check out the men of abundance podcast you can go to menofabundance.com of course find it on apple podcasts and google podcasts and spotify and stitcher and whatever else um It's all over the place. Wally's super cool, really great guests on the show. And I think he's a pretty good guest too. And yes, I've been on it a couple of times myself. So I will link to my episodes in the show notes and the show overall in the show notes. Of course, Wally's site and social and all that kind of stuff. Um, So big thanks to Wally for coming on. And if you're thinking about abundance, you know, one of the... The F's that Wally talks about is family. And family is the closest set of relationships that we have, or it could be the closest set of relationships that we have. Whether that's the family we're born with, the family we create, or the families we choose to have. You know, those, I remember like growing up, my mother's best friend, we referred to his aunt and then her name. you know, and, and it kind of took me a while to realize, like, we're not related at all. But, you know, there's that closeness. So that's family. Well, in these families, those relationships are crucial. And how are you building and fostering them? Where are you getting stuck with them? Where are you helping each other? Where are you hindering or not supporting each other? Those are the kinds of forms of abundance or drivers of abundance that I get into in the 50, 75, 100 solution. I hope that you consider 
building better relationships in your life. And if you're interested in that, you can get it at 5075100.com. It's also available at every major bookseller, so you can you know hop online and get it in your favorite format, audiobook, ebook, print, etc. Um, thank you so much for joining me on this show today. If you haven't subscribed yet, definitely subscribe in your favorite podcast software, library, tools, whatever you use to consume podcasts, subscribe to the show. And if you really enjoy the show, go in and leave a review. That helps tremendously. So the feedback from people like you is what helps guide other people to find the show. So that means the world to me, and it helps this message grow. So you can rate and review and subscribe in your favorite podcast software solution. Check out the 5075100 solution at 5075100.com. And listen to the Men of Abundance podcast. Go over to menofabundance.com. And you can get all the info for that there. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope that you go out and have abundance today. Take care, everyone.